is a burning thing And it makes a fiery ring Bound by wild desire I fell into a ring of fire I fell into a burning ring of fire I went down, down, down And the flames went higher And it burns, burns, burns The ring of fire Well, that almost fits the topic tonight. What do you want? Because I picked it at the last minute. Hello, this is William Fink, and this is the Christagenia Open Forum. It is Monday, April 25th, 2011. A couple of weeks ago, I did a forum call here of the two natures of a Damic man. And in that forum, I made the assertion, quoting Paul, that all Israel shall be saved. There are people who want to debate this topic not with me, that they'd rather send emails around disputing the scripture and planting seeds of doubt in their own bitterness, trying to persuade people from the truth. Here, I will elaborate. I never wrote a paper on this topic, and, and I don't really know if I should or even if I could. It, it, it'd have to be a book, since in itself, it is the very story of the entire Bible. That our race would learn that Yahweh is sovereign and that we should do His will. And no matter how much we sin here, in this life, in this world, and remember that the whole world lies under the power of the devil, the lesson of the first epistle of John is that the children of Satan produce the error of this world. We get caught up in it. That doesn't quite mean that we're responsible for it. No matter how much we sin here, we shall learn that lesson that Yahweh God is sovereign, and we shall take it with us to our destiny. That is why Paul said in Galatians, the law is our schoolmaster. 
Our destiny is with Christ. Once again, we shall learn to do better. If we see not forgiveness of our sins in this world, for whom or for what reason did Christ come? And what is our purpose? And what is the purpose of our God? If we, being children of Jacob Israel, and therefore children of God, see not forgiveness for our sins, then throw your Bible in the trash and eat and drink, because tomorrow you shall die. If we are not children of Israel, we have no part in any of the promises anyway. It amazes me that the same people who would judge Israelites based upon sin in the law and teach Israelites that they're not going to go to heaven it amazes me that they still that, that they can make a claim not to be Roman Catholics. The entire idea that bad boys are sent to hell is a Roman Catholic idea. The entire idea that salvation is based on behavior is a Roman Catholic idea. And those people who would throw the children of Israel into the lake of fire, those same fools would admit the children of darkness into the kingdom of heaven will not find an Israelite in the lake of fire. For all of their names are written in the book of life. Either will you find a Negro or a Canaanite in heaven. All of the promises of salvation in the Old Testament are based upon race, upon seed, upon offspring. And they are unconditional. They are not merely based upon good or bad behavior. We would be saved in spite of ourselves, not because of anything that we could possibly do to achieve salvation. We can't do anything to achieve salvation. It's already done. In Romans chapters 9, 10, and 11, Paul is comparing the Israelites in Judea to the Edomites in Judea. He tells us that the Israelites are vessels of mercy. Only sinners require mercy. He tells us that the Edomites are vessels of destruction. They're vessels of destruction whether or not the, the individuals have done anything wrong or not. It doesn't matter. Esau was hated by Yahweh in the womb. As Paul explains in Romans chapter 9, long before he ever did anything wrong, Esau was hated in the womb. Yahweh would know that he was going to be a race mixer. Uh, found no repentance because none of his children were unmixed. There's no care in Paul's message for good Edomites and bad Israelites. Israelites are vessels of mercy. Edomites are vessels of destruction. Period. His entire message in those chapters of Romans is one of salvation based upon race. This is a scriptural truth which we must understand if we are ever to attain at Salvation. John the Baptist had long before professed, long before Paul wrote, John the Baptist professed that a bad tree cannot produce good fruit, and a good tree cannot produce bad fruit. Matthew chapter 3 and Luke chapter 3. Christ repeated the same profession at Matthew chapter 12 verse 33, where he said, Either make the tree good and his fruit good, or else make the tree corrupt and his fruit is corrupt for the tree is known by his fruit. Romans chapter 11, verse 25. 
For I do not wish you to be ignorant, brethren, of this mystery, lest you be wise on account of yourselves, that hardness in part has come upon Israel. I copied and pasted this from the King James Version. Until the fullness of the nations arrives, or maybe it is my version, and in that manner all of Israel shall be delivered, just as it is written, from out of Zion shall come the deliverer, and he shall turn away impiety from Jacob. I'm sorry, that is my version. And this to them is the covenant from me, when I should remove their guilt or sin, when I should remove their guilt or sin. Here Paul is quoting the Old Testament. He is quoting both Isaiah and the Psalms. Paul is not making this up that all Israel shall be saved. He meant it. He quoted it from the Old Testament and we will see it shortly. All Israel shall be saved whether they be sinners or not. Christ came to die for sinners. He said, the healthy have no need of a physician. He did not come to die for people without sin. If we were a people without sin, there would have been no need for Christ to come and die on our behalf. Let me read first Psalm 130. Out of the depths have I cried unto thee, O Yahweh. Yahweh, hear my voice. Let thine ears be attentive to the voice of my supplications. If thou, Yahweh, shouldst mark iniquities, O Yahweh, who shall stand? Let me read that again. Psalm 130, verse 3. If you, Lord, shouldst mark iniquities, O Lord, who shall stand? There is forgiveness with thee that thou mayest be feared. I wait for Yahweh, my soul does wait, and in his word do I hope. My soul waits for Yahweh more than they that watch for the morning. I say, more than they that watch for the morning. Let Israel hope in Yahweh, for with Yahweh there is mercy, and with him is plenteous redemption, and he shall redeem Israel from all his iniquities. Psalm 130, verse 3. If you, Lord, should mark iniquities, who shall stand? James 2.10. For whoever shall keep the whole law, and yet offend in one point, he is guilty of all. If Yahweh should mark our iniquities, none of us shall stand. Abraham would never have descendants as the sand of the sea and as the stars of heaven, because we are all sinners. As James says in verse 10 of chapter 2 of his epistle, For whoever shall keep the whole law, and yet offend in one point, is guilty of all. He's a sinner. Ezekiel 37, chapter, I'm sorry, verse 23. Neither shall they defile themselves any more with their idols. This is the prophecy of the Valley of Dry Bones. Or with their detestable things, or with any of their transgressions, but I will save them out of all their dwelling places wherein they have sinned, and will cleanse them. So shall they be my people, and I will be their God. Who is accepted here? Who is accepted in Psalm 130? Where it says in verse 8, And he shall redeem Israel from all his iniquities. Who is accepted 
in Ezekiel 37, verse 23, where it says, And I will cleanse them, so they shall be my people, and I will be their God. I will save them out of all their dwelling places wherein they have sinned. Without sin, we don't need salvation. Without sin, we wouldn't have fallen in the garden. Jeremiah 33, 8. And I will cleanse them from all their iniquity whereby they have sinned against me, and I will pardon all of their iniquities whereby they have sinned and whereby they have transgressed against me. I will save them from all their iniquities. I will pardon all of their iniquities. There are no exceptions for the children of Israel. Period. The last 25 or 26 chapters of Isaiah are all written to the children of Israel in the Assyrian deportations. I, I think it's the last 26. It starts at Isaiah chapter 40 or 41. They're all written to the children of Israel in the Assyrian deportations. They make it clear, without a doubt, that all Israel shall be saved without exception. Now, there's one individual who sent an email around claiming to... Um, well, he professed that Paul meant in, in um, Romans chapter 11 that all 12 tribes of Israel should be regathered. And that's what Paul meant when he said that all Israel shall be saved. Well, that fool should have read the Old Testament. Because Isaiah 45 verse 20 says, And Yahweh shall all the seed of Israel be justified. Isaiah 45, verse 20. In Yahweh shall all the seed, all of the offspring of Israel be justified. I'll read from verse 20 through verse 25. Assemble yourselves and come, draw near together. Ye that are escaped of the nations. In other words, those children of Israel, which come through the nations where they were scattered into Europe, they have no knowledge that set up the wood in their graven image and pray unto a God that cannot save. Now, idolatry is the first commandment is against idolatry. That's the primary commandment. If you can be forgiven of that, then you can be forgiven of the other nine. Tell ye, and bring them near. Yeah, let them take counsel together. Who has declared this from ancient time? Who has told it from that time? Have not I, Yahweh? And there is no God else besides me. No other God besides me. A just God and a Savior. There is none besides me. Look unto me and be ye saved all the ends of the earth. He's talking about the dispersed of Israel. Dispersed throughout all the ends of the earth. For I am God, and there is none else. I have sworn by myself, the word is gone out of my mouth in righteousness, and shall not return. In other words, the word which Yahweh has uttered shall never be revoked or changed. And unto me shall every knee bow, every tongue shall swear. Surely shall one say, in Yahweh have I righteousness and strength. Even to him shall men come, and all that are incensed against him shall be ashamed. Verse 25, Isaiah chapter 45. In Yahweh shall all the seed of Israel be justified, and shall glory. Now for the fool that wrote about Paul's statement, saying that only all Israel shall be saved, and that meant only all 12 tribes or representatives from all 12 tribes. Let's read Isaiah 45 verse 25 from the Septuagint. 
by the Lord shall they be justified, and in God shall all the seed of the children of Israel be glorified. O exception, all the seed of the children of Israel, every person descending from Jacob our father. Let's read the NAS version. In the Lord, all the offspring of Israel will be justified and will glory. Let's read the Dead Sea Scrolls version. In Yahweh, all the descendants of Israel will have victory and glory. Salvation. Salvation is exclusively racial. It's throughout the prophets. We saw it in Isaiah 45, Jeremiah 33, Ezekiel 37, and in the Psalms. Paul says at Romans chapter 11, verse 29, Indeed, favor and the calling of Yahweh are not to be repented of. That means that they are irrevocable. As Yahweh said, His words have gone out of His mouth in righteousness, and they shall not return. All of those promises to cleanse the children of Israel of all their sins, all of those promises stand in Christ. They are not revocable. What value are the promises of Yahweh our God? Are they of value for men to make exceptions? God did not make? Eli James would rather see Israelites thrown into the lake of fire and Mexicans sent back to live in Mexico. Thankfully, Yahweh shall prevail and just the opposite will be true in the end. Mexicans, a mixed race, not written into the book of life, they will be in the lake of fire and Israelites will be living in Mexico. Christ did not die for law keepers, he died for law breakers. Law breakers can only be of those children of Israel which had the law. In Luke 7:47, Christ said of a certain woman, For that favor I say to you, her many errors are forgiven, because she has loved much. But to whom little is forgiven, loves little. We who have sinned the most would be the most grateful is the lesson in that. Where does man want to draw the line with God's mercy? As we've just seen in the prophets, he does not draw a line. There's a sin unto death, the sinner can repent. Death is the offspring of the sinner who have no life in them when they race mix. So go ahead, try to tell niggers that they're going to heaven who do not have these promises. And try to throw your Israelite brethren into the lake of fire. And you shall see how God judges you. Because you are judged by the manner with which you judge. That's just the way it is. If you want to judge your brethren, which is only God's doing, and, and he deems that they will all be given mercy, you are going to have a problem when you face your judge. That's the way it is. That's the word of God. Paul, in Romans chapters 3 through 8, explains the difficulty in knowing that the children of Israel are not going to be judged by the law. That they're going to be judged by the faith of their ancestors, by the faith of Abraham, which he discusses at length in Romans chapter 4. And in Romans chapter 5, Paul says, Therefore, having been deemed worthy from out of faith, we have peace before Yahweh through our Prince Yahshua Christ, through whom we also have access to this faith, by faith to this favor in which we are established. And Paul goes on to describe in Romans chapters 5 and 6, 
the, pa- the, the paradox that it leaves for Christians, that Christians who are not going to be judged by the law should seek, as he says at Romans 3.31, should seek to establish the law. And it's real, fi- it's real easy to figure that out. Because we shouldn't be afraid of dying. We should be afraid, and I'll speak about this at the end of this presentation, we should be afraid of living forever. Romans chapter 8, verse 9, Paul says, However, you are not in flesh, but in the Spirit. If indeed, if indeed the Spirit of Yahweh dwells in you, and if one has not the Spirit of Christ, he is not of him. That was Spirit was only given to our race, to the Adamic man. But if Christ is in you, indeed the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is alive because of righteousness, the righteousness of God, the Spirit, lives. Moreover, if the Spirit of He who raised Yahshua from the dead dwells in you, He who raises the anointed from the dead will also produce alive your mortal bodies through His Spirit that dwells in you. If we have that Spirit, we live. If we don't have that Spirit, there's no resurrection for us. That's the line where salvation is drawn. 1 Corinthians 5, and, and now I'll get into sin and its consequences, which will be discussed here at length before the end of this presentation. 1 Corinthians 5, verses 5 and 9, speaking of a certain fornicator, Paul says, to deliver such a one to Satan, meaning to the adversary, for the destruction of the flesh, the spirit may be saved in a day of the Lord Jesus. That's the King James. Deliver such a one unto the adversary for destruction of the flesh, that the spirit may be saved in the day of Yahshua Christ. The spirit may be saved. The spirit of God is not going into the lake of fire. That's not going to happen. You can't be serious about that if you think that. Judgment of sinners is in the flesh. Paul says, 1 Corinthians 5, from verse 9, I had written to you in the letter not to associate with fornicators, not at all with the fornicators of this society, or with the covetous, or rapacious, or idolaters, being that you are therefore obliged to come out from the society. Presently I have written to you not to associate with any brother if he is being designated a fornicator or covetous, or an idolater, or abusive, or drunken, or rapacious, not even to eat with such a wretch. In other words, we being Christians, even though we understand that the spirits of our sinful brethren are going to survive, when there's sinners in the flesh, we have to put them away from our company. That's what Paul is saying in 1 Corinthians chapter 5. We have to put these Sinners, when they're not repentant, we have to put them out of our company. Paul asks, what is it to me to judge those outside? Meaning those people who have been put out of our community. Not at all should you judge those among you or within you. But those outside, Yahweh judges, will expel the wicked from among yourselves. When our brethren are wicked... We deliver such a one to the adversary. We put them out of our company and pray that since they continue to sin, we pray that Yahweh takes their flesh so that the soul may be saved, their spirit may be saved in the day of Yahshua Christ. They will be judged in this flesh 
for the spirit can be saved in the day of Christ. And, and I'll get to this a little more in a, a bit later. 1 John 3.9 says, Each who has been born from of Yahweh does not create wrongdoing, because his seed abides in him, and he is not able to do wrong, because from of Yahweh he has been born. Yahweh knows that the sin in this world has been created by the enemies of our God. And we come to the sin of this world. We may be punished in this body, but our spirit shall live, and we shall stand in the last day. That is why Paul said in 1 Corinthians 5, 5, Deliver such a one unto Satan for destruction of the flesh, that the spirit may be saved in the day of Yahshua Christ. And no, that statement does not leave open the possibility that the spirit may not be saved. It's a future subjunctive, it's not a conditional. Job 19 verse 25 and Job was not an Israelite the book of Job is probably the oldest book in the Bible it may have been written before Moses wrote Genesis meaning the book was written first Does it doesn't mean it's written about the, the, it's, the setting is not the oldest of course Genesis is but the book is the oldest Job says for I know that my Redeemer lives and that I, he shall stand at the later day upon the earth and though after my skin worms destroy this body, yet in my flesh shall I see God, for whom I shall see for myself, and mine eye shall behold, and not another, though my reins, meaning my organs, be consumed within me. But you should say, Why persecute we him, seeing the root of the matter is found in me? Be ye afraid of the sword, for wrath brings the punishments of the sword that ye may know that there is a judgment. Job 19, verse 25 teaches that our sins are punished in this life. It's obvious to me, from all of these promises of all of these prophets, that the people that claim that salvation is conditional, those people are fools. The Bible, as we have just seen, teaches clearly that salvation is unconditional. And it is only unconditional for the children of Israel. Yet not all salvation is the same salvation. This is where the condition comes in. The conditional part exists after we understand that all of our race shall be preserved. All of Israel shall be saved, but not all will share equally in the benefits of salvation. Let me quote Daniel 12, verse 2. Verses 2 and 3. And many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake. This is telling about resurrection. Some to everlasting life, and some to shame and everlasting contempt. And they that shall be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament, and they that turn and eat to righteousness as the stars forever and ever. Salvation is unconditional based upon our race. Some of us shall awake everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt. Those people will be there. Just don't want to be one of them. It's clear to me from Daniel that he's not talking about Jews. He's not talking about Edomites. He's not talking about people from other races. None of those are in the scope of the book. 
Daniel is not talking about them. Daniel is talking about Israelites. And if the contempt is everlasting, if we awaken to everlasting contempt, what that means to me is that we are going to have to bear the shame of our sins that we committed here if we are not repentant. As Paul says in Timothy, some men send their sins ahead to the judgment. If you've repented of your sins, you're already forgiven. If you don't repent of your sins, you will awaken to shame and everlasting contempt. We may see Esau in the kingdom of heaven and know that he was Esau, using him as an example. Esau himself was a child of God. It was just a major screw-up because he was a race mixer. 1 Corinthians 3.12 Paul says much the same thing as Daniel said. Paul says, Now if anyone builds upon that foundation gold, silver, precious stones, timber, fodder, straw, the work of each will become evident. Indeed, the day will disclose it, because in fire it is revealed. And of what quality the work of each is. Fire will scrutinize. If the work of anyone who has built remains, he will receive a reward. Now let's read Daniel 2 again. And many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life. Now let's read 1 Corinthians 3.14. If the work of anyone who is built remains, he shall receive a reward. Now let's read 1 Corinthians 3.15. If the work of anyone burns completely, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be preserved, although consequently through fire. Fire being the trials of judgment in this life, or the judgment that we have to face before Christ. Not send our sins ahead to the judgment. Let's read Daniel 12.2 again. Second part. And some to shame and everlasting contempt. Let's read 1 Corinthians 3.15. If the work of anyone burns completely, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be preserved. That's the way it is. If we have no good works in this life, we will still be preserved. The promises to Abraham and Jacob... And the promises of the cleansing of Israel's sins were unconditional. Every child of God shall be in the kingdom of the resurrection. We just won't all have the same station. Some of us are, not going, are going to have to live with the things that we, we did here that we did not repent of. That's what the scripture teaches. Daniel 12.2 and 1 Corinthians 3.12-15. In 1 Corinthians 15, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, in an esoteric manner, Paul explains that we will not all shine in the same kingdom of the same in the kingdom of heaven. He says, "In bodies in heaven and bodies on earth, and different is the effulgence of the heavenly, and different is the effulgence of the earthly. One effulgence of the sun, and another effulgence of the moon, and another effulgence of the stars. A star differs in effulgence from stars." We, being Christians, should seek obedience to the law because we know that we should live forever. Not because we do not know. We should seek the reward of our God. We do not seek merely to escape punishment. That's the lesson of the New Testament. That's the lesson of the parables where Christ shows that different servants were given different gifts and get different 
rewards. Some of us that do nothing with our gifts will have everlasting contempt. But we'll still be there. Otherwise, how could the contempt be everlasting? Why would we awake to, to, to have everlasting contempt if we weren't going to be there? As Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, If the work of anyone burns completely, in other words, if you have no reward, you will suffer loss. But you yourself will be preserved. All of Israel will be saved. Isaiah said it. Paul said it. All of our sins will be cleansed. Jeremiah said it. Ezekiel said it. It's throughout the Old Testament. When Paul said it in Romans, he was only quoting Isaiah. He wasn't making it up. That's what the scripture says. This is an open forum. I hope to beckon some discussion on this. That's all I'm going to say on the topic on, on my own for tonight. Hopefully somebody will want to um, chime in. There's about, I don't know, there's at least two dozen people here. Uh, so I hope somebody has some input. I know it's a confusing topic. But the gifts of our God are without repentance. You can't imagine that he uttered those words about cleansing all the sins of Israel and saving all the seed of Israel without meaning exactly what he said. And some of us will awaken to eternal life and some to eternal contempt. We'll all be there. Some of us just aren't going to like it. I've said that before. That's what the Bible teaches. It amazes me that the people that want to throw the Israelites into the lake of fire want to throw, want to admit Negroes into the kingdom of heaven. That's universalism. If one Israelite, if you could throw one Israelite into the lake of fire, then you could justify letting a nigger into the kingdom of heaven. That's sick. Salvation is based upon our race. Because if we don't learn that rebellion from God leads to all sorts of destruction, if we don't learn that God is sovereign and that His law is good, we don't have a lesson. And if we haven't sinned, where's the lesson? There's no lesson. Hello, Bruce. Hello. Yeah, this comes to uh, most of our, our minds every day, probably, because... Uh you know, is Yahweh true or is he a liar? I mean, oh, absolutely. But a lot of men, a lot of men, and even in Christian identity, want to make like Yahweh a liar, and they want to decide which Israelites get saved and which Israelites don't get saved. Well, if you're an Israelite, you get saved. If you're not an Israelite, goodbye. That's the way it is. That's what the book teaches. That's why he's referred to as uh, he's faithful. Absolutely. You know, we have to get the race thing right. We have to get that right first. Without that, there's no brotherly love. And without brotherly love, you're not going to be in the kingdom of heaven. And that is brotherly love. Hello, RP. RP, you asked to talk, and, and um, your microphone's off. Your microphone's disabled. It might be on the menu. On. Yeah, Bill, I was going to chime in here because RP was uh, his mic. Um, Seven of None asked a question. Uh, eternal contempt... Uh, does that fit the crime? Well, you know, Esau, the, the race mixer, and, and men like him that, that don't repent or, or that can't repent, that they're going to they're gonna have to live with that for eternity. That, that's the way I see that, that verse. Uh, okay, so they can't repent? Esau couldn't repent because he had no white children. He couldn't repent of his fornication. Called, called him a profane person and a fornicator. 
It was explained that he sought repentance and no room was found for him. Why was no room found for him? Because he had no legitimate children. He lost his, um, he lost his birthright. That's what he can't repent from. He could never get his birthright back because he had no heirs. He had no legitimate heirs. So, I mean, e eternal contempt. I mean, so that, so he can't work his way out of it. After, so there's no. But, well, no, no. The eternal contempt is is a natural result of the sin, John. Yet you're going to have to live with, with with the fact that you were Esau for your entire for for, for eternity. That's what Daniel's saying. Some of us will awaken to eternal life, and some of us will awaken to eternal contempt. Right, so that memory will be within him and everyone else. If we don't have the memories of this life in the next, there's no lesson. There's a lesson. What's the point? And, and yes, we're going to have that memory forever. And, and that's going to keep us in check. I, I mean, that more than anything, that, 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 that's... That this life is a learning process. Okay, Bill, uh, you know what? I've got some memories that are very bad, and I can repent of them all I want, but they're still going to be there. Well, well, right. No doubt. But, but you'll, yeah, once you repent of, of your sin, yeah, you're no longer, I don't think, ashamed of it, because you come to the realize, first you realize that we're all sinners, and, and second, you could look at your sin objectively and understand that you screwed up and, and fell short, and, and know that you're, you're going to try not to do it again. Yeah, well, trying and doing. <laughs> well, um, yeah, I'm just trying to picture this uh, like what would Esau's life be like compared to others well, well we don't know what the future has in hold for us we only know what the scripture says right salvation is based upon race the idea that salvation is based upon good boys and bad boys it is um, a cat that, that's Roman Catholicism Eli's idea of salvation is Roman Catholicism, and and I'm not I'm picking on Eli because I worked with him for so long, but it's half of Christian identity has that idea. It's not just Eli by any means, and, and I never argued with Eli about it. I, I pointed it out very often when we covered the scriptures that were pertinent to my argument. I always pointed it out, but I never really argued with Eli about it because it's a very complex issue, and, and Eli, I understood, what was rebuking the antinomians and, and the people that want to get rid of the law and say that we're not under any law, that God, you know, there are no laws that matter anymore because we're under grace. That is ridiculous to the opposite extreme. Paul argues throughout Romans chapters 3, 4, 5, and 6 that we still need to seek to follow the law even though we're not going to be judged by it. Because we know that the law of God is righteous. If you read Genesis chapter 25, you'll see that Abraham kept Yahweh's statutes, laws, and judgments. That was long before the Levitical law was given. Moral law is timeless, and, and we should always keep it. And because we're going to live forever, we as Israelites, we should want all the more to, to keep the law, not the less. All right, Bill, now, there's not one of our kind um, who would live forever, let's say, and just have no repentance. They're just bad people. Well, well that's where that eternal 
eternal contempt comes in. I'm sure once you realize that you're going to live forever and, and, and um, that you're going to repent. Uh, if not in this flesh, then, then the flesh is going to be destroyed, but the Spirit certainly will. I can't imagine an Israelite seeing God in the Spirit, seeing his Creator, understanding that he has left his body behind here and, 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 and not repenting. I mean, that's just, <laughs> that's just inconceivable to me. Yeah, I can understand that. Um, but, I mean, you figure they would figure that out in life, you know. Well, right. That's why if we, those of us who do figure it out in life, Paul says that some men send their sins ahead to the judgment. That's the, the key there. That, that's the difference. Some men have to face that judge and, 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 and answer for, for their deeds and, and fear and, and right. That, that's, some, that, that's a position I wouldn't want to be in. I, I would pray that I, I, I would not be in that position, that I would be able to repent. Of myself, well, I pray that I've already repented, but yeah, you know, I I can't say that I won't screw up again. None of us can say that. For men, we make mistakes, even in the new world. Well, you know something, we probably will, but they probably won't be anything like the ones we've made here. No, probably not. Hello, Jeremiah. Hello, Bill. You had something to say or something? Um, yeah. I'm trying to remember what it was, but it had to do with um, us living forever. But well, oh, yeah. it... that, that you know how um, it's it said that all of Israel will be saved, and not one of us will ever be uh, damned and thrown to the lake of fire. Uh, to me, anyway, I don't I don't see how that that's possible because. I I know one I guess you call it call him an Israelite I don't consider him an Israelite he uh basically murdered his his wife and raped his child and I don't see how a person like that could ever be forgiven I, I well you know something that's the judgment of men and not the judgment of God right we all that that's the first resort that men have that that want to um question. What the Bible says is that they can always pick out men who have committed crimes so terrible that um, they don't deserve salvation. But that's not what the Bible says. And, and we have to accept the judgment of God. All the seed, that means every individual offspring of Israel shall be saved. That's Isaiah 45. That's what it says. People could argue against God all day. God knows the thoughts of our hearts. That's in the Psalms, and, and I actually pulled that that verse and and um and neglected to include it in my notes, but but I'll try to recover it. That's understandable, but if someone didn't act like that, wouldn't they be not considered an Israelite then? Like, wouldn't they be cut out of the family? Like, would they, wouldn't they disowned, I should say? I'm sorry, hit me with this. No, there's nobody going to be cut out of their family because Isaiah says, all the seed of Israel shall be justified. You can't, you can't know what is in another man's heart when he commits a heinous act. You can't know what circumstances led him to commit that act. You can't know what trials he has undergone. We as men can't judge other men 
righteously. That's the key word there, right? Righteously. That's one of the things that the law was supposed to teach us. We as men have our own failures and have a very incomplete knowledge. Only Yahweh can judge us. Only Yahweh knows what goes through another man's mind and, and what torment his soul is undergone that leads him to do something that we see as a heinous act. And it is. And if a man commits such an act, we're told to put him out of our community. We're told to separate from him from us, and Yahweh shall judge him. That's what we're told in 1 Corinthians chapter 5. That's also what we're told in the prophets. And that is what we have to understand, that the flesh will be destroyed, but his spirit will live. Otherwise, words of the prophets are vain, and the promises of God mean nothing. So for us to teach other Israelites that they're going to hell if they do something bad, for us to teach that is a lie. Okay, well, then if all, all the Israelites are saved, basically, uh, automatically... What happens to our responsibility to actually obey Yahweh's laws? Well, I just went through that, and, and maybe you didn't listen. I, I just I, I just explained that Romans chapters three through through eight. It is all about the Christian paradox that because we know that we're going to live forever, because we know we have this forgiveness, we should want to keep His laws. We should want to establish His laws. We shouldn't want to establish his laws hoping that we be saved. We should want to establish his law knowing that we're going to live forever. Oh, okay. That's what Paul is explaining in Romans chapters 3 through 8. Right. If you love me, keep my commandments. We should want to establish the law of God because we come to the understanding in Christian identity that we are his children, that we have fulfilled his prophecies, and, and that... Because we see that we fulfilled his prophecies, we damn well know that the rest of them are going to come true also. Because of our future, we should want to establish the laws of God, not in spite of it. Well, what about the Israelite who doesn't know who he is yet? But, well, that's the key. That's, the, that's what brotherly love is all about. You, how can you condemn him? That's what these men, that, that they come and learn Christian identity, and they want to enforce the law on everybody. That's, that is, they're Judaizers is what they are. They want to rule over everybody with the law because they're Israelites. They don't want to love their brother and teach them why that they should, and, and understand that some of us just aren't going to understand identity. Because they're still in the world, they haven't been called out of it. Yahweh has called us out of the world and blessed us with this insight, and he didn't do it so that we could beat our brother and condemn him to the lake of fire. See that? A lot of these men that come to this realization and learn identity, they think that that gives them license to condemn their brother to the lake of fire. But Well, Yahweh calls us out. We didn't do it. We didn't gain this understanding of ourselves. We cannot credit ourselves with what we know about this Bible. And therefore, we have no right to condemn our brother who doesn't know yet. Because we were in that position once, and it wasn't long ago. It's our duty, now that we have this knowledge, to be his messengers, to be his witnesses, to witness to our brethren. 
We don't know which ones of them Yahweh is going to wake up and which ones he isn't. And we can't condemn the ones that he that, that, that aren't awake because we ourselves were at one time asleep. And we didn't wake ourselves up. Correct. I, I know me personally, I just recently uh, felt the need to start preaching and waking uh, fellow Israelites up. So far I have two friends that are pretty close to uh, fully waking up, I guess you could say. But, well, that, that would be wonderful. I mean, that, that, that's your duty, is to be his witnesses. That's what we're told. I'm sorry, that's what we're told. But if we take Christian identity and, and try to beat our brother, brethren over the head with telling them that they're going to hell if they don't live by the law, then we become Pharisees. We're not to be judged by the law. We've already been judged. But we're all sinners, and we've already been judged to have the favor of Yahweh. How could you condemn your brother to hell? That's not brotherly love. And people in, in that claim to be Christian identity, that they want to condemn their brethren to hell and save niggers. People like Ted Whelan want to condemn Israelites to the lake of fire and save niggers. That aren't even under the covenants. That they should be ashamed of themselves. They're a disgrace. Uh, Bill, you said that um, we will live forever. Now, did you mean like on earth or in the afterlife? The, the kingdom of heaven has to come to earth. So then either way, even if we die, we come back to the earth sooner or later. That's 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and, and several other scriptures, yes. Wow, that really takes away the fear of dying. That's what resurrection is. Resurrection is a return of your spirit to this physical world. The kingdom of heaven is coming here. We're not being raptured. And uh, our ancestors, they automatically knew this? Well, that's what I just read from Job, isn't it? That he know, knows that he would stand and see his Redeemer in the flesh, even though his flesh would die? Job chapter 19. I just read that tonight. Um, I'm sorry, I was out uh, eating for, I think, the first half hour of the show. Oh, good, because now I can't find it, and I only got four pages here. Job 19.25, For I know that my Redeemer lives, and that he shall stand at the later day upon the earth. And though my skin, after my skin, worms destroy this body, at, in my flesh, how I see God. We're told that that resurrection happens because we have the Spirit of God. How it happens is um, something that we've, we've yet to see, right? Yeah, I called the Almighty for nothing. Well, if anybody has anything else, I, I mean, that would be um, helpful, I think. <laughs> I can't believe this has run its course already. It's only been um, a little over an hour. Okay, I'm going to cut it here. This has been the Chris again of your open forum. And, and um, thank you, and, and we could talk in, in, in the open house. And, and praise Yahweh, and thanks for being here, everybody.